hello and welcome to another episode of the TCT podcast, TCT, the network of local churches that exist to treasure Christ together. You can find out more about our network at tctnetwork.org. And today I'm joined by uh, my brother and friend, Pastor Cody Pinckney of Desiring God Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Greetings, Cody. Good to be with you, Jordan. Thanks, brother, for carving the time out. And today, Cody and I are going to be having a conversation about the vitally important theme of expository preaching. Before we jump into that theme, let's just do a quick get to know you and let the folks who dial into this episode know a little bit about who they're listening to. I mentioned that Cody's a pastor of DGCC, Desire God Community Church in Charlotte. But brother, could you give us just a quick kind of bio of your life? Why don't you go born and raised to DGCC in 60 seconds or less? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I I was an Air Force brat uh, and mainly grew up in the D.C. area and uh, went to Davidson College, where I met my wife of now 40 years, Beth, mm. and, uh, and became an economist. I worked as an economist for about 20 years, uh, a good bit in East Africa and at some research institutes, and then at Williams College in Massachusetts. And uh, in the 19, 1990s, God called me into preaching, and I thought that was going to combine economics with preaching, but by the end of that decade, he made clear to me that this was really a call to full-time ministry. So uh, ended the relationship with the college and, and uh, went to Cameroon, taught in a seminary in Cameroon for a year, and then came back, and much to my surprise, uh, ended up planting a church in Charlotte uh, in 2003, and we've been here ever since. We have six kids. Uh, ranging in age from 36 to 24, scattered all over. Mm. Uh, one, one, uh, a missionary in, uh, in in the Middle East, and uh, it's it's our it's our joy also to have six grandchildren. Mm. Amen, amen. Well, brother, thank you again for taking the time to have this conversation. And we are on the TCT podcast, so can can you also just quickly make it the connection for folks of how DGCC has some TCT connection. How did that dot get connected? Right. Uh, so in making the transition from being an economist to being in ministry, uh, God worked in an amazing way to have me end up in Minneapolis for, for three months. And, uh, and, and then to, after coming back from Cameroon to, to plant the church in Charlotte, there was no no program of planting churches, no, no residencies for church planters at Bethlehem at the time. Um, but I, I was there and, and there was an opportunity in Charlotte and God directed me and, and Bethlehem ended up supporting that church plant. And in conversations with Kenny Stokes and prayers mm-hmm. and interactions with others, uh, Bethlehem decided, hey, this went reasonably well with uh, <laughs> planting this church thousands of miles away. And uh, maybe we should be doing more of this. And uh, so here we are 17 years later mm. Uh, mm. With, yeah. with churches. And, and obviously we're now inviting churches 
Amen. Uh, that share our passion to join the network also. It's been, it's been wonderful to see it happen. It wasn't anyone's plan. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. And as a, a beneficiary who's actually ridden on your coattails and the, the aftermath of GGCC and then are not too far from you guys with Treasuring Christ Church over in Raleigh. I think we were, I don't know, two or three more down the line, right. but uh, it really has been a thing of beauty. For those who are unaware, Cody also serves on the lead team for our network and has for a number of years. So brother, thanks for your investment at DGCC and TCT and I am really looking forward to this conversation. But before I segue to expository preaching, you mentioned Davidson College. You met your bride there. Of course, that's the most significant uh, alumni to you of that school. But for those, I mean, I trust because you're an alum, you would know this answer whether you're a sports fan or not. But one of the most popular alum of your school, who's now a two-time NBA MVP, is? Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph. <laughs> I used to love watching him in March Madness when he was at Davidson, just light everybody up with his 12-year-old baby face. But, <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the theme of exposition. And let's just start with 30,000-foot view before we get into the weeds. Brother, what is expository preaching? Expository preaching is both a method and a commitment. Let me say something about the commitment first, uh, because that's not what most people think of. It's a commitment to say, I, as a preacher, have zero authority. My thoughts is, are unimportant and cannot accomplish God's purposes. And so I'm going to commit myself to speaking the word of God. And this is what Paul tells Timothy uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is my own translation. I've spent a lot of time in these verses. He says, mm. preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and then this wonderful Greek word, which can mean exhort, encourage, or comfort, kick in the pants, <laughs> with great patience teaching all doctrine for the time will come when they will not put up with sound doctrine but will surround themselves with teachers to satisfy their own desires to scratch their itching ears they will turn their ears away from the truth and will be turned aside to myths and mm. this is the call to expository preaching that that phrase which i've translated with great patience teaching all doctrine mm. uh, whether people want to hear it or not uh, whether it revolves reproof or comfort and sometimes it'll include both uh, but because in our fallen state we inevitably want to gather teachers to tell us what we want to hear and the history of the church is full of that yeah and 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 as, as, especially in our own age mm -hmm. and so we we have to be focused on with great patience teaching all doctrine and so the mm. text is central. The text is our authority. Um, and the text then governs the sermon. The main point of the text is the main point of the sermon. Furthermore, I would argue that in true expository preaching, the structure of the sermon flows out of the structure of the text. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, verses one to three are the first part of the sermon, then verses four to six. But in communicating the truth of the text, 
you structure the sermon to open up that truth. Hmm. And, and, uh, and then next, the, the context is absolutely vital. So in expository preaching, you are looking at the context, always asking what is the context, whether the context is of that paragraph or of that chapter or of that book or in God's opening up of his plan of redemption. What is the context of this, of this scripture? And then I would say, finally, expository preaching, as, as that phrase from 2 Timothy 4.2 indicates, ultimately, the goal is to do what Paul said he had done in Ephesus, to teach the whole counsel of God. And that's a task that no one is sufficient for, but that's, that's the goal over, over years to be able to say, yes, we have, we have opened up the whole counsel of God both those parts of scripture that are popular and people want to hear or maybe that the preacher loves and those parts of scripture which are not so popular and which seem obscure. Yeah, brother. Well, that's absolutely helpful and uh, certainly uh, uh, expose that I'm going to go back and listen to myself multiple times, but I do want to dig in a couple of angles of what you just said. And one is, uh, let's just get really practical. What passage did you preach? We're recording this episode on a Tuesday afternoon. So two days ago, July the 12th, what passage of scripture did you preach? What was the main point? And how did the structure of that text, as you just described, guide the structure of your sermon? Yeah, so I'm preaching through the book of Hebrews. Uh, not Amen. Taking as many <laughs> sermons to do it as you did, Jordan. <laughs> Touche. Uh, I don't. I don't think anyone could have taken that many, except maybe Lloyd Jones. But, <laughs> but uh, so I'm in. I'm in chapter eight, and this was the second sermon in in this part. Uh, I was in what is the longest quotation of an Old Testament mm -hmm. text in all of the New Testament from Jeremiah 31 on the New Covenant. Mm. And so it, it was very easy to outline this week because there are four promises in the New Covenant. And, uh, and, and, and so the first part of the sermon was, was um, what's, what's, what's new in the New Covenant what, what's the difference between old and new covenant? But then looking at the promises. Mm. Uh, and, and so the foundational promise is the fourth, uh, that God has forgiven our sins. We'll remember them no more in the new covenant. Mm. And, then, and then each of the three, first three promises. Um, so that was, the, that was the structure. And I would say the main point of that text uh, from, from the point of view of the author, which is a little different than the main point of the text in Jeremiah uh, that he's quoting from, is that Jesus is the high priest of this new covenant, and this should lead to great comfort and delight on our part in mm. Jesus. Mm. Amen. So any of you who just heard Cody reference that sermon, you can go to DGCC's website, and you can take a listen to that and other messages. What's the church's website? DesiringGodChurch.org. Thank you, brother. All right. And again, I'm going to come at 
your, your opening salvo from a different angle and sort of play the devil's advocate because I trust you've heard, like I've heard many times, uh, a uh, rebuttal to expository preaching and the description that you gave at the beginning. And that rebuttal goes something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus wasn't an expositor, you know, chapter one, verse one, chapter one, verse two, point one, two, three application. Uh, how would you respond to that? Yeah. I mean, there's several responses. One, uh, we don't know if Jesus did exposition or not. We don't have an example of his, of his doing an expository sermon in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we don't have many sermons in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? We, we, and, and, and what sermons we do have are probably amalgamations of, of several mm. sermons. Uh, second, he was an itinerant preacher. Uh, he wasn't preaching to the same congregation over the course of time. And when we get uh, situations like that, we have Paul's instruction to Timothy, right, which is, which is, is, is a clear reference mm -hmm. to to teaching that mm. um and and we do have uh, i mean the book of hebrews is is full of expository sermons Amen. um and uh, that's an example i think i would say i think hebrews three to four is uh an outstanding expository sermon and, and a good example of how we are mm. to do exposition um so um so yeah, it's, it's Jesus may well, I suspect Jesus did do some expository yeah. preaching, um, but uh, just not recorded yeah. in scripture. Yep. And I've heard on that same, you know, kind of thinking through that same rebuttal, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, it didn't just totally haphazard. It's walking through the, walking through the Decalogue. So the, the lawgiver on top of the mountain, given the law. Um, the, the true and greater Moses, but he's also doing, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you, just coming right out of Exodus. And then, um, you know, the day he rises from the dead, instead of talking about the glories of the third heaven and the re-entrance into the, you know, immediate fellowship of the father, which he had enjoyed for eternity. I find it immensely encouraging that he, proverbially speaking, grabbed a Bible and handed it to his followers and said, law, prophet, Psalms. These are about me. So, you know, in a sense, I right. think we can yeah. say what you described at the beginning, Jesus certainly was a word centered preacher. Right. And uh, yeah, by all means. And then the other, the other point is that there, there's a really fundamental difference between Jesus and touche, right? my brother. <laughs> 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 and, and and so we, we see again and again in scripture jesus spoke with authority yeah, yeah. right and i don't amen. have authority jesus did amen have authority. and so my authority has to rest in the word jesus jesus authority he had authority on his own even as he pointed to he does the will of yeah. his father and that everything he did was consistent yeah. with with god's revelation amen and he is the logos so uh he has the ability to speak with that authority and speaking of hebrews in you know, past times God spoke to our fathers and the prophets in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So uh, it, it, uh, qualitative difference when you are the definitive revelation of God to humanity, <laughs> the way you can speak versus yeah. guys like you and me. 
Amen. Okay. Well, let's just press forward with a, with a few more questions on this theme. And um, why would you say, I mean, you've touched on this already, but I just want to highlight it specifically. Why would you say that expository preaching is important? Yeah. Expository preaching, there, there are a lot of ways to answer that question, but let me say one that I found really helpful in my ministry. Um, expository preaching, in this case, meaning the systematic exposition of books, which, by the way, my, my target is that about 85% of my preaching is working through entire books of the Bible. Um, and doing that balances what we teach. It is, it is then possible to achieve that teaching the whole counsel of God. Um, I'm forced to deal with issues that I would never choose to deal with. And, when I do, and then when I am forced to deal with an issue, people know, okay, that's, that's, the, next, yeah. that's the next chapter in this yeah. book. And so Cody's not just deciding to do this. So uh, I was preaching through Mark um, back in Massachusetts before I went into full-time ministry. And, uh, and in Massachusetts, in our congregation, about uh, two-thirds of the people over 40 were divorced. Mm. And I got, to, I got to Mark 10. Mm. And, and I really didn't know my position on divorce. But the more I studied it, I was coming to the conclusion that divorce was never right. And, and uh, so now I'm preaching this to a bunch of adults who've gone through divorces, some are in their third marriage. And, um, and that was with a lot of trepidation I mm. entered in the pulpit that day. Um, and again, I, I would never have chosen to preach on divorce in that church if, if I wasn't just working my way through the yeah. book. And I did, I did have some people who were mad at me, unsurprisingly. Um, but I also had people who came up to me with tears saying, I wish someone had preached this sermon to me 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and uh, I just, it, it's, it's so powerful to say, okay, this is in the word of God. I don't, I don't want to touch this topic, but I have to if I'm going to open up this book of the Bible, yeah. if I'm going to teach the whole counsel of God. But then another another rationale that I try to be very conscious of every Sunday is I'm not only teaching the text, I'm also teaching how to interpret the Bible. I want people not only to hear the outcome of my study, mm -hmm. but in most sermons to be able to see how I got those conclusions from the text. And... So therefore, over time, as, you, as people see that through the different genres of scripture, they, they themselves become much, much better interpreters of the text. Mm. And that's, that's a really important benefit of expository preaching. You're never going to get that in topical yeah. preaching. Amen. No, I mean, what you said, even on, on both of those points, uh, amen to that, the example you gave from Massachusetts. And it, it occurs to me kind of Captain Obvious, that there might be people who listen to this, ep listen to this episode and say, mm, I'd like to hear more of what Cody's convictions are on that. So uh, I'm just going to say, to be continued, one day you and I are going to do a podcast on that very 
uh, difficult theme of biblical views of divorce and remarriage and how to shepherd people through it who have already walked that path. Yeah. So we'll, we'll push pause on that now. And yeah. then Lord willing, we'll pick it up again as a dedicated conversation, uh, which, which all yeah. pastors uh, have to deal with. And most believers have, you know, somebody in their family who, who's walked that path. So, yeah, yeah. okay, we'll pick that one up again, but I agree with you. I mean, when you're walking book by book, passage by passage, you just have to deal with things that you, maybe uh, tempted to avoid or would never pick, you know, on your own. All right. A couple more questions. Um, so let's say a brother, like you said, you're preaching through Hebrews. You mentioned you preached through Mark early on. Let's say a brother picks a book of the Bible. He's roaring and ready to go. Um, are there differences between him sort of given like a, let's say his text is the first 10 verses of a chapter. Is, is there a difference between a preacher is given like a running commentary on those 10 verses versus an expositional sermon. If so, what, what's the distinction? Uh, well, there are several distinctions. Um, one is, is passion. Um, that we have to have affections which are consistent with the truths that we are preaching mm. right and if i'm just sitting up there and 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 talking about well this verse means this this verse means that then i'm not my, my affections are not consistent with these great truths um and and then as as i said before I, Another aspect of expository preaching is showing the context. And so, yes, I'm focused on this passage, but I'm relating it to, to the wider context in the, in the chapter in the book, in the, mm -hmm. in, in, in the God's plan of redemption. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then thirdly, the... What, what I'm doing is taking the text and applying it to the particular cultural situation that we are in and, and drawing out how this text applies in this, in this situation. Mm. And, that's, and that's one of the, the glories of, 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 of preaching. Um, and in the cases where um, we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit because we'll never know exactly how the Holy Spirit might apply this text. We basically make suggestions as preachers, but um, I can't tell you, Jordan, how many times I have been, you know, every sermon I pray that the Holy Spirit would be active in taking this text. I don't know how to apply it in every person's life who's going to yeah. hear it, but that Holy Spirit would, would apply it directly. And how often there'll be something in the act of preaching, I'll say, okay, I'm going to add this to it and just make a point, which I don't even know why I yeah. do it and have three people tell me afterwards, right? You know, what, what, what one interaction I have with people, I never let people get away with saying, oh, Cody, that was a great sermon. Or that was a great <laughs> sermon. I, 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 I say, well, what, you know, how did God particularly speak to you today? And as I ask that question, you know, so often it'll be something that just came up in the course of the preaching, um, a point of application that really the Holy Spirit graced me with in the moment. Mm 
Um, and, and, and so there's got to be that movement from the text to application. John Stott's uh, excellent book on preaching is called Between Two Worlds mm. with that image in mind. The, the, the world of biblical truth translated into the world in which we live today in a particular cultural context. Yeah. And so you've got to make that connection. Yeah, well said. All right, so I'm just going to pull on one of the threads that you mentioned throughout those comments. And that was from text to context. So you went text to chapter to book. And then I think you said how it fits in kind of redemptive history and the storyline of redemption. So are you by that, do you mean that you are self-consciously aiming to get to the gospel in every sermon, even as you're doing an exposition on, you know, pick your passage, pick your genre, pick your Testament. Uh, that, that my answer is a qualified yes, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that every sermon has an explicit call to repentance and faith in Jesus, um, but every sermon has an implicit call to repentance mm -hmm. and, 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 and faith in Jesus. And most sermons will have an explicit one also. Um, and, and so, yes, seeing, seeing this text, what does it say about Jesus is, is, is a, uh, a question that has to be, I think, on the preacher's mind and in preparation of every sermon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when we're getting to, to what does it say about Jesus, we're awfully close to yeah. gospel. So. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to land the plane for the purpose of today's conversation with one final question. Then you can add any other remarks to this one that you would like to, but you've talked about the preacher, not having authority, the authorities in the text. We're not Jesus. <laughs> There's a qualitative difference between us and him. Um, amen to that. So when we're preaching though, and we're preaching God's word, convictionally knowing and trusting that this book is authoritative. It is his voice. Um, are there, is there room in your mind for us to still um, be able to ask some questions rather than always definitively, like thus saith the Lord? Yeah, and I think that's really important. And, and some preachers, whether out of um, insecurity on their own or a misunderstanding about what preaching is, don't encourage questions. And, uh, and I always try to encourage questions. Every, I mean, from the very beginning of the church, we've had an early Tuesday morning meeting where um, I'm explicitly inviting questions um, and in some cases, that'll be what wasn't clear, you know, what was confusing, um, how could the sermon have been better, but, but also explicitly inviting people to, to challenge hmm. an interpretation or an application. And uh, some people, particularly people who are new to the church, are kind of reluctant to do that. It's, it's helpful to have someone um, who's been around for a while, say something rather dramatic, and that kind of opens people up to the <laughs> idea that, okay, it's, it's okay to say something about, you know, and, and, you know, obviously there are times I've been wrong and I've had yeah. to 
come back. I've been convinced of that. And I've had to come back the next week and say, you know what I said last week? Uh, I wouldn't say it that way today. Yeah. Let me modify yeah. that. And, and that's, and that's, it's invaluable to have yeah. that. Um, and cause my, you know, my interpretation can be off and, uh, and, and the way that I express something, you know, I, I gave the example earlier of things that come to mind, not in the, not in my manuscript that I bring out in the moment. Yeah. Sometimes those are wonderful and clearly use of the Holy spirit. And sometimes <laughs> those are just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I don't realize it until someone says, you know, Cody, you said this. And what about this passage? And I said, oh, golly. That was, that was yeah, touche. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we've all been there. If we've ever preached, you know, more than a handful of sermons, we've all been there. Um, but what, we, what we're trying to encourage is the attitude of the Bereans towards the yeah, Apostle Paul, yeah. right? Acts tells us they search the scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul said were yeah. true. And that's what we want yeah. to do. I want people to search. I don't want people to accept something because yeah. I said it. I want them to go back to the scriptures and search them, see if this is true. And if they decide that they think I'm wrong, I want them yeah. to tell me and then have a discussion yep. about it. No, likewise. I mean, I didn't know you were going to go down that path, but as the Lord would have it, this evening at 630 one of my dear friends, member of our church, neighbor of mine is coming over tonight to talk about some uh, aspects of my sermon from Sunday, which were from Second Corinthians 11. And, and I welcome that. And like you said, on the service review yeah. side, inviting people Tuesday morning the way you guys have done it. Um, I've also found great benefit in the sermon preview side. So I invite a handful of people from the church, brothers and sisters, to uh read a smattering of commentaries, commit to a number of weeks, read a smattering of commentaries, and then we'll just talk briefly about what's the main point of the text, what's the, you know, the ideas in it that that lead to that point, and then any applications. And, and I found on both ends, both preview and review, just an immense amount of help. Well, landing the plane, um, you've made me think so many times about the Ezra situation where just read the book of the law and then explain to give the meaning to the people brother may the lord help us to be precisely that and to do so in a way that is faithful to god to his word and honoring to his son edifying to his people okay any closing comments that you want to make i'm sure you've thought of a number of things that you like ah maybe i'll talk about that later and and we didn't get to it um just let me just read you one quote go for um, it Lloyd-Jones. Self is the greatest enemy of the preacher. So be so absorbed in what you're doing and in the realization of the presence of God and the glory and the greatness of the truth that you are preaching and the occasion that brings you together that you forget yourself completely. Amen. And that is so important, so yeah. important. And God graced me in my early years of preaching that about two-thirds of my first 50 sermons were in a nursing home and about half of those with Alzheimer's mm. folks. So I had zero, <laughs> I mean, e even if I, even if they thought I was wonderful, they weren't going to remember me the next <laughs> week. Right. So there was, there were, there was all, my, my only reason for being there was believing that God's word was going to cut through that fog and, and bless these people. And then I really explicitly tried to take that attitude to Sunday mornings. And that was 
so helpful mm. um, because Sunday mornings I did care, right? What people thought. And, and I had to take that myself out of it so that I'm just preaching the word and, and whether these people ever remember me again, right? I'm opening up the mm. word. Amen. Oh my God, help us to that end. Brother, thanks so much for the time. We'll pick up that other conversation, Lord willing, another time soon. All right, much love. We'll see you.